It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 440 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week I have a great conversation with Dave Chisholm, the writer and artist on a wonderful scout title called Canopus, and I'm always convinced I'm pronouncing that wrong. Dave is a musician and an educator and a visual artist, and we talk about all those different aspects of his creativity, including the comics that he's created, such as Let's Go to Utah, Dream Another Dream, and Canopus, or Canopus, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. That book is a four-issue psychological sci-fi thriller exploring themes of identity, memory, resentment, and forgiveness. The first three issues have been released, and number four is coming soon, and he mentions other projects that he's working on, including one that he's very high on, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Dave Chisholm, a musician and comics creator who has a great comic that's coming out right now from Scout Comics called Canopus, uh, based after a star, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the name of a of a star that's quite far away. Now, I, I was I saw your website, which is interestingly is called DaveChisholmMusic.com, which I found interesting. <laughs> and we'll have to we'll get an explanation about that. Let me read a little bit because I think it's kind of the first paragraph in your bio section I found interesting. It says, Dave Chisholm is a trumpet player, songwriter, composer, band leader, educator, and visual artist. It said you received your doctorate in jazz trumpet from Eastman School of Music in 2013. So I, I find that really interesting because the, the creative process to me is always something I, I get a kick out of. I, I gotta, always tell – go I ahead. Gotta, I got to update that bio. It's been a minute. Actually, I, I – uh, yeah, I mean okay. all, that's, all that's accurate still. But, um, but, I, but I think that definitely in the last like um, – in the last like couple of years, I think my creative focus has shifted to like being um, a bit more – comics intensive than music intensive in terms of my creative output anyway so because you teach drawing right uh, <laughs> excuse me yeah i teach a lot of things actually my my um my i teach i teach at a place in rochester new york called the hockstein school of music or i think it's actually just called the hockstein school because they also teach some dance there and um at that at the, there i teach like songwriting and jazz trumpet and regular trumpet and um, composition and music theory and rock bands. Uh, so kind of like Jack Black and School of Rock. <laughs> and, um, and, and then I also teach uh, uh, like a little bit of visual, visual art at um, a school. or a, Like I taught at a drawing class at a SUNY school 
in uh, like, like a half an hour away um, last year. And then um, if everything goes according to plan, I have it for the fall, I have a few uh, more visual art classes and a class at um, RIT called comics and music. Um, so yeah, like I do a lot, I do do a lot of teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is great. I mean, you know, uh, uh, some people teach and do a very good job of it and some people do, you know, the things, but I think the, the best people can not only do it, but can also tell other people how to do it better. Yeah. I've, I've, I've found that teaching, um, really, really refines my process. Um, it really forces me to examine my pro- my process. Whatever I'm teaching, it forces me to kind of like refine, re-examine and refine the, the process, whether it's songwriting or, you know, drawing uh, a still life or making a comics page or working out a story or any of these things. It's Teaching it is really helpful for me. Um, you know, I would say that teaching is a little bit more difficult for me than um, the actual doing like the creating and whatnot. But, uh, but I think it's, it's, um, this, the struggle that I have, the, the occasional difficulty that comes with teaching always, we're always ends up benefiting my own work. Uh, mm. so it's cool. Oh, very good. Very good. Now, according to your bio on your website, you, you your first graphic novel was called, let's go to Utah. That's right. 2009 and then let's see you did short stories in uh myspace dark horse presents yep. dream another dream which i didn't I, ha- I haven't caught up with these i'm gonna have to get these the first book of yours that i came across is called instrumental yeah and i gotta tell you a quick story about that okay. uh, it'll actually it'll actually make sense as we go along the uh i was at new york comic-con and a friend of mine came running up and said oh my gosh you've got to get this book it's called instrumental, and the way that it was described to me was that it's this person, and every time this person performs, somebody dies. <laughs> and I said, "Boy, that sounds like because I, I sing in choirs. I said that sounds like some of the concerts I've been in." So, I, <laughs> so I bought the book, and I really enjoyed it. Now, the person who recommended it to me is a guy by the name of James Hake who is now the president of Scout Comics, who is printing. Canopus. Well, I, I, that's wild, man. I, uh, that's crazy. Cause I want to say that James, I, I could probably pull up the email thread if I dig around a little bit, but I don't know if James knew that I had put out that. I, I don't know if he put two and two together cause the books are so different. Like they couldn't be more different. I don't know if he, cause I think there's an email thread with the scout guys, um, early on where the instrumental came up and I always, I always get James Hake and uh, James Pruitt right. yeah. mixed up. <laughs> One of them was like, Oh, you did instrumental. I really enjoyed that book. Um, so they had just realized that and this is after I had been offered a contract or maybe even after I signed a contract uh, with, with them for uh, Canopus. So pretty, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's cool. I, I love well, that. See, one of the things about knowing James is, and James is himself was an accomplished uh, comics creator. Yeah. Uh, besides being a, the president of the company. Um, uh, one of the things I always like about him is I'll be wandering through like New York Comic Con. I was going through this, uh, through the, some of the self-published stuff. 
And I came across this book that I really liked. And I was like, I was was talking to the guy about it. And up comes James. And he goes, I like this book. I supported that on Kickstarter. And I went, you did? I said, I didn't know you liked that book. So he does a lot of looking around and and stuff like that, just like I do. I do it for this podcast, you know, trying to find good stuff so I can talk with people about it. Sure. He he does it because he likes it. You know, he's he's looking for all good kind of of storytelling. And the book is called Glow. Uh, People look it up. They can find it up there. And there's other books that these creators make, too. So it's just – but I always get a kick. Whenever we go to New York Comic Con, I come away with books that he recommends. Oh, that's cool. Because that was one of your instrumental was one of those. Now, since I've fractured what the book is about, why don't you tell people what instrumental is about? <laughs> oh, uh, you did. I think you did a pretty good job for the elevator pitch. It's a, it's a, a yarn about this kind of sad trumpet player who who's in his twenties and he's kind of an angry dude, an angry young man, and he comes across this old trumpet, and every time he plays it, it makes the most transcendent music. Uh, but also every time he plays it, somebody dies or bad things and bad things start to happen. And it, it snowballs from there. And that's the basic elevator pitch for the, for the book. And then also the other, the last part is that the book, uh, there's a, a, a full length music soundtrack that goes with the book. That's um, each chapter has a track of music that's meant to accompany it. Mm-hmm. Just cool. Because, uh, of course, you're a trumpet player, so uh, That's right. this, wasn't, this wasn't sort of a, uh, a biographical <laughs> thing, was it? No, no. Uh, well, there are definitely uh, – well, I'll, I'll say that no, no one's ever died at one of, my, one, of my gig, <laughs> one of my gigs or shows or whatever. And, uh, but but uh, the, there are elements in that, in that graphic novel that are taken directly from like real life for me, like the scene where the guy with the broken leg comes up to the bandstand and tells the trumpet player that he, he sounded bad. Like that happened to me and Fred, the character Fred in the book is based on a friend of mine named Fred. And Fred told the guy that he would break his other leg if he didn't walk away. And, um, and it was, uh, so that scene was, is, is almost verbatim from, from real life. Uh, but then the stranger didn't proceed to offer me a trumpet. So, (laughs) you know, well, you got to have some uh, literary uh, license right. there. That's right. To tell a good story. So, now, when did that come out? It came out in 2017. Wow. And it's a Z- Z2 comics for that one. Yeah, I, I remember it. It was, I don't think you were at the booth when I bought it. Somebody else was there, but I walked up saying, somebody's recommended this book. I got to get it. The other guy tried to talk me into more books, and I did, I think, buy one or two more books, but I was after your book. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, it's been a while since I've been to New York Comic Con. Um, in fact, I think the last time I was at New York Comic Con was when I was trying to find a publisher for Instrumental, and that, and that's where I met uh, Josh um, from Z Two, and I actually, so that, that, um, and that's a relationship that uh, has been has been really great. My relationship with with uh, those guys at Z two has been really awesome. So very cool, very cool. Because now I, I'm a big sci fi guy, and that's going to lead us into Canopus. Great. Why don't you talk about what the book is about? Sure. Uh, it's a story about this woman who wakes up on an alien planet, and she's like 300 light years from Earth, and she uh, has no real solid memories to speak of besides a vague sense of urgency to return home, which makes sense if you're 300 light years away. Uh, And so as she explores the planet looking for the 
you know, minerals and to, to needed to kind of render the parts to repair her ship. She, uh, comes across, uh, monsters that are manifestations of her worst memories. So like her memories do start to gradually come back in the form of monsters and creepy things on the surface of this planet. Um, and it kind of expands from there ends up being, you know, exploring themes of like, uh, forgiveness and resentment and, uh, you know, the nature of consciousness and stuff like that. And the third, we, it's a four issue series. And the third issue just came out like on June 17th for the fourth issue comes out, I believe July 22nd, but you know, with diamond, you never, you're never really sure what day it's going to come out. Um, and I'm really excited for the, for the last issue to drop because, uh, the ending of the story is like, was the first thing that I, that the first thing that I thought of when I started thinking of this, when I, when, when the story came to me, I was on a flight and the, and the ending is the first thing that I thought of. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So like I had to kind of write towards that and it all came together. Um, all the big pieces came together pretty quickly. So, yeah. Now, one of the things that's good, I have to compare you to like Jeff Lemire in the sense that you are both writer and artist. Yeah, that's on, right. On this project. So, and I always like his stuff and his artwork is a little sketchy, but your artwork does remind me a little of his. It's not as sketchy as his, but it, and I also think that your writing reminds me of his too, in the sense that you are not a superhero writer and there's not a lot of punching and kicking going on. This is more drama, which I like. Oh yeah. Um, well that's a, thanks for that comparison. Uh, you know, I think I, I, I admire Jeff's, uh, work quite a bit. And also, like you said, I, the fact that he, um, is known to occasionally write and draw his own, his own stuff. Um, uh, so yeah, like, um, I, and, and, and as far as the, the action, I, I really like, I do really like drawing action scenes and, um, kind of like, trying to be as inventive as I can with like page layouts regarding action scenes, but also like, um, trying to like consciously move away from stories where, uh, violence solves problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, um, and, and I think that, I think that our storytelling and, not to get too highfalutin about my own work or whatever, but um, sometimes I think that we kind of box ourselves in to think that like the only way to tell an exciting, memorable story is through like a, like a big violence in action and um, in a, or a visually interesting story. And, um, and in particular with regards to like genre comics, like superhero and, sci-fi and fantasy and horror and stuff like that like and i kind of just figure like i even like er, early on even with like well let's go to utah is pretty violent so that's let's obviously not i I wasn't really thinking about this stuff back then but like with instrumental and with uh canopus there's like a real it's me really kind of trying to like be a little bit more think outside of the box in terms of like 
um, how conflicts play out and how violence plays out and um, trying to find ways to keep it visually interesting without always having it be violence. Although, you know, I will also say that like, there is a pretty like sweet, like action scene in the last issue of, of this book. So, um, so, you know, like it's, um, the stakes are a little bit different, I guess it's, it's hard to explain without spoiling it, but, uh, needless to say, it's, it's, um, it's going to be so awesome. I can't wait. Well, you got to buy the book. That's right. to do if you want to find out all these good things i I like to tease but i don't like to spoil so i will refer to some stuff and i'll try to be oblique about it if i can because i don't want people i I enjoyed reading it and i got to to read it you know cold as it were right and i don't want other people to get robbed of that experience because i think that's a important thing to do it's yeah i guess you know i i i I hear you (laughs) sometimes i wonder like I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't mind being spoiled as much as other people do, but but let's uh, let's try to let's try to toe that line as carefully as we can. And if I cross over the line, then let then it's my fault. Okay. Well, you know better what the, <laughs> than I do what what we can and can't talk about. But uh, there's some things I really want to talk with you about. Uh, we talked a little bit about Lemire being both writer and artist. Do you have a preference? I mean, are you a, an artist who's a writer or a writer who's an artist? Um, well, like, like, I think that I think there's two answers to this question. So like one is like the, the, the answer, like, like, um, based on my like experience, professional experience, and I've definitely collaborated more with people as an artist. So I have a book that I drew for a friend of mine named Milton Lawson that's coming out, uh, on through source point press. Uh, in, uh, I think the first issue comes out in August and it's called, uh, de- uh, detect, uh, detective, no, Thompson Heller detective interstellar. So it's kind of a bit of a mouthful. Um, and, and so, and I was just the artist on that. And also I've been collaborating on a web comic for like five years called tyranny of the muse that my friend Eddie Wright writes. And, um, and I, and again, on that one, I'm, I don't write that. So like for my experience, I, I would say that like, probably I would just, one would categorize me as like an artist who, who writes. However, um, I kind of like, if I, I guess like the, my, my like humongous ego would be like, oh no, I'm actually like a, just a storyteller. Like I just mm-hmm. am a person who like tells stories and whenever, whether I'm like writing a song with words or whether I'm like writing a big composition for like a large ensemble or whether I'm like drawing a comic that's written by someone else or whether I'm like writing and drawing my own comic project, uh, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, I just want to like tell stories as effectively as possible. And so um, and like try to like tell stories in a way that like maximizes what the medium can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so some stories are better suited to songs and some stories are better suited to like a graphic novel and some are better suited to like a single like comic page and some are better suited to like a 22 page comic book or whatever, you know, like, I mean, we could just go on and on. And so, and then, and that's kind of like, my sort of like 
snooty, like highfalutin answer to that question? Well, honestly, I, I have to tell you, when I ask people that question who both write and draw, that's usually the answer I get. Yeah. I'm a storyteller. I, I don't, you know, whatever I need to do to tell the story, that's what I'll do. Right. Right. So, so I may stop asking that question eventually here because hey, I it's I, it's cool to know that I uh, that I answered, I answered. It sounds like I got the the answer right then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of fun for me because I, you know, I see I'm an editor and I'm a reviewer. I'm not a creator in that sense. I, I can only look at and with envy at the stuff that you do. I can say, boy, I I wish I could do that because I can tell you if a story's good. If it works real well, but I can't write that. You know, you've got that made that leap that I, I my brain doesn't make. So Boy, I kind of have to admire that. Man, you know, I, I will say that, like, in terms of the process, like, like, um, writing, like, I'm really, I really uh, envy writers who can be like really off the cuff with it and improvise. Like, I have like my training in, in jazz improvisation, but that improvisational spirit like shows off more in like my probably most mostly in my inking than anything else. And so like, um, when I'm putting together a story, like, uh, I, I would say like, I need to know basically everything that's going to happen before I start drawing it. Like, it's really hard for me to, to uh, start something without knowing how it's going to end. I really admire like television writers who can string together like multiple seasons of like a show where it seems like they're so good at like spinning those plates and keeping storylines interesting and multiple threads going for me. It's so I guess like that's another sign that says maybe I'm an artist who writes, you know, because um, the art side of it comes a lot more, like second nature to me um especially like like i know some that this might sound a little well i'll just say it you know so i feel like a lot of artists really like really put a lot of like labor into like their layouts and kind of like doing really detailed thumbnails and stuff like that and for me i um i am like a little i feel like that part of the process is so so fun for me and i think part of the reason it's fun is because i think i'm like i think i really speak that language well and i think if you look at all the way back to like let's go to utah which is like not like it's not like a there's a lot of stuff that i could criticize about that book but i i will say that like the storytelling in it is like very very effective mm. so is it still available? I mean, can you buy it somewhere? You can buy it on like there's like a website called Indie Planet that does like printing on demand, mm -hmm. um, and it's available up there. I can send you the link if you'd like. Um, yeah, it's a but it's a and I have copies of it here that I I take copies of it with me to like comic cons, but um, inevitably it becomes the thing on my table that I don't actively try to push to people because I because I'm not like. At this point, I'm not like super eager to have people read, um, read that book. <laughs> Why? I mean, you know, it, 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 whenever you do your first one, there's always going to be places to improve. I mean, yeah, that's sure. always going to be the case. So I, I don't know. I mean, based on what I've read of Canopus, I have to tell you, 
I, I'm interested to see where you started as a storyteller. It'd be fun to see. Well, you know, I there's a whole there's a whole hell of a lot of pages that I did back in high school and junior high and earlier that that's really where I started. Um, you know, it was something that like I probably did a few hundred pages of comic art in high school. Um, and then, and then kind of like the, I, I was going to choose between like majoring in music and majoring in art and the music department at the school gave me a bigger scholarship. And so now like three degrees later, uh, you know, and I did, let's go to Utah in between my bachelor's degree. I had, I had a four year gap between my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. And I did, let's go to Utah in that span. And, and really like when I started doing that, it felt like coming home a little bit. And my whole, like my whole creative life is a series of like these reactions, um, which is, which is to say that like, I started, let's go to Utah feeling really burned out and angry at the music industry. Um, I was in a band that like toured and had some success and stuff. And then it fell apart in a very like dramatic way. And, um, and I was like, you know what? I don't, I, I want to do something where I don't have to collaborate with anybody. I can just be my own, do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I did that book. And, um, and then over the course of that, those nine issues, um, I gained a following online and, um, ended up being like a weird little success story that led to me getting that other little bit of work for dark horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like coming home when I started working on that book. And every time I leave comics for a while and then come back, it always feels like I'm coming back home. And I just kind of realized in the last like couple of years that like, I think I, I think I, I think I do have a lot to say in this particular uh, media medium. Um, and so maybe the feeling that it, maybe that the fact that it feels like I'm coming home every time I leave it and come back means I should probably like stay there for a little while. <laughs> Well, but but your creative process, though, it probably seeks, you know, expression in different ways at different times. So, you know, because I understand because I, I sing in choirs and to me, I love to sing in choirs. You know, that's that part of me gets, you know, the, the choir I'm in right now only sings around Easter and, Christ- and Thanksgiving. They don't do Christmas because their families have to all get there. Mm. But I, I love to sing. And then the guy that does it, I, I'm not much for contemporary Christian music in church i i love it elsewhere but in the church i want to sing more traditional stuff so sure the, the guy that directs it gets that kind of music and so that's why i, I love it so much that i get that expression something new I, music i usually have not heard before that i get to experience and get to know so that's all that stuff so but i can understand you know because you know that scratches that itch at certain points but then i i'm interested in comics and reading and reviewing and right. editing and stuff like that right. so i i can see both of those being creative outlets for you. right right yeah and then and it's all just kind of like finding the joy in like problem solving at least for the for me for all this stuff i think it's like like um a story is like a series of problems that need to be solved and kind of like trying to innovate new solutions to problems and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and writing a song, it's the same deal. It's like just a series of problems. You decide what, what it is you want to say, and then you, and that's the first problem. And then you kind of slowly whittle away until you 
have something that really expresses what you want to say. And so, uh, you know, I, maybe, maybe someday I'll kind of like get like, have a, some sort of moment where I'm like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and like, you know, I don't know. I, I really feel like this, this comics, I have, I really feel like I have such good momentum in comics right now that I'm, that I, I don't even want to think about like what's next for that. You know, I'm, I'm okay. just enjoying it. Well, I have to say, uh, your book, I usually pride myself on being able to kind of figure out what's going to happen next. <laughs> this book, I have no idea. And I've read the first three issues and I am dying to read the fourth <laughs> to sort out what in the world is going on here. <laughs> and I'm a sci-fi guy too. So usually this kind of stuff makes sense to me, but I'm kind of reading it going, you know, uh, I need to know what's going on here. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, I'm really glad to hear that, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And, um, mm-hmm. and the, and the funny thing is that like, I knew that starting the, starting the book with such a cliche was like a little bit of a risk, right? Cause it starts with such a, cause like you wake up with amnesia. That's like, like number two on the list of like cliches. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I knew, but I, and I knew that was a little bit of like a risk in that sense. But then I'm like, you know, the rest of this story, like no one's going to be able to like, the rest of the story is, is so unpredictable, but, but also like, hopefully when it, when you get to the end, it'll feel inevitable at the same time. So that's like the line that you, that for me, I always want to walk as a composer or like as a storyteller is that like, you want those moments of unpredictability to look inevitable in hindsight. Mm-hmm. You never want it to feel like unearned unpredictability. Um, so hopefully at this point it feels like it's been earned. I feel like pretty good about how the first three issues turned out and I can't wait for the fourth one, man. Cause I, I, I literally am sitting there going like, I, I literally looked at the book and I, I, I forgot how many are in this miniseries. I'm going, Oh my gosh, three's not the end. Is it? I was like, because I don't know what's going on yet exactly. So I needed, I need to find out what's going on. So I was going like, when is four coming out? I got to find that out. So I'm, I'm yeah. really fascinated to see when four comes out. I'm dying to see it. Well, you know, I, I will say that I think all your questions will be answered. Okay. So it's not going to end with like, I don't think there's any ambiguity at the end of the book. So uh, maybe, it, maybe in terms of like, Maybe there's some ambiguity in terms of like, um, I don't want to say it. Just, yeah, all your questions will be answered. I'm pretty confident that all your questions will be answered. Yeah, don't spoil it for me because I've invested all this time in reading it and I'm thinking about it and I'm I'm going, I got to know what's happening here. And so, you know, I want to get the experience. I want to know what the, the comic read is. But I do have some other questions about the book that I think we can safely discuss. Sure. I'm fascinated. I'm always, and people listening to this podcast will, will know that I'm always interested in female lead characters. Mm. Because, you know, men, and as I often say, can be scientists. They can be scoundrels. They can be right. Captain Kirk. They can be Khan. They can be all over the spectrum. But as far as women goes... I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface with women lead characters. And I think you're doing a, a great job. To, to, I really like her. Oh, man. Main character. And I, I'm just fascinated as to, oh, gosh, this, I, this, I so many things I want to spoil, but I daren't. Let's just say that we find out as thing go, go, things happen, we discover more about her. And the more I learn about her, the more interested I am 
right? And in her survival and her, let's say, what's going on with her and and, and stuff like that. So I, I think you've done a really terrific job of crafting this fascinating female character that just has my attention. Well, thanks, man. That that really means a lot to me. I put a lot of uh, a lot of thought and a lot of like reality into this character. Like this character, um, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I had with my, with Elise, my wife about this character. And I always give Elise like a shout out on in interviews because she's like, I know I probably people say this all the time, but like, she's the best editor. Cause she's like, she's like great at one, like seeing like plot holes. Right. And then two, she's, she is the ultimate person for like um, demanding that characters actions make sense for what they, for like, like why are they doing what they're doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as writers, we try to sneak in those moments where like the plot pulls it forward instead of the character pushing it forward. Mm -hmm. um, If that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. so, and so like um, all of the kind of like depth of the flashbacks and, um, and her like her life experience. I mean, like, we're the 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 fun thing or fu- fun is maybe not the right word, but like the 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 intention of this was that we were going to be ex- experiencing her memories just as she's experiencing them in these like flashbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was. It's always tricky at the beginning because the because at the start of this story, she's like this blank slate, but she's not really a blank slate. Even from the beginning before she learns anything about her past, like she's already kind of like, kind of a like a grumpy kind of like a little bit of a salty person. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was, that had to be the case from the, from the beginning. And hopefully like, again, by the end of the third issue, we have an idea like of why she is the way she is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have she, learned a lot about her. Yeah. And, um, and it's the, it's that tricky line because, you know, these flashbacks, this, this, the, these flashbacks that she's experiencing, that she's these, these memories that she's re- like recovering on this planet really seem to be like focused on some pretty like bummer moments in her life. But at the same time, I, I knew that I didn't want it to be like, like, um, I didn't want there to be any delight in I didn't want it to come across like we're just here to watch this like like amazing person be like tortured by her like yeah. past. And so like if you look at the memories there're like moments of triumph in there and then moments of like heartbreak. And that's how that's and that's how life is, right? Um yeah. you know, like you p- people get married and then the marriage falls apart or um you kind of like have a career high point and then um and then it all comes crashing down and it's kind of like about exam the book is in a way is about kind of examining the way we how we interpret those moments in our lives and how we like what we take away from those moments i suppose the book is a little bit about that anyway mm-hmm. so. well the, the good thing about the about her is like i said the more i go along the more i like her mm-hmm. the more i understand her mm-hmm you know, and so you're you're unwinding things in a way that just keeps pulling me along, which I really like. Right, it's, a it's, mystery could if you got to be careful when you do that stuff. If you really reveal the wrong thing at the wrong time, 
you've spoiled things. And I don't think you've done that. Oh, I think you've done a great job of doing that. Well, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing because what you're kind of explaining is, is perfect. Like you're, it's actually like you're, you're reading a script in my head <laughs> because like, it's really about like forcing the reader to kind of gain empathy towards this character in real time. So like when you meet someone in your life, who's like really rude or really mean or real salty or, impatient or whatever however we want to describe uh helen in at the start of the book she's kind of like this grumpy person or whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh like you you might not understand it and then once you kind of get that person's story Mm -hmm. then you then you like them more and more and you understand them more and more so yeah. You know what this reminds me of a lot? I don't know if you've ever read Jeff Lemire did a hardcover book called Roughneck. And Roughneck is the story of a hockey player who gets expelled out of hockey because he's, believe it or not, too violent for the game. And he ends up in the middle of nowhere in the Canada and his long lost sister finds him. And the interesting thing is as we go along, he's, reveals the character of the hockey player in such a way that we actually kind of get to like him and we get to know him. And, you know, I, I've never thought that I would find a character like that sympathetic, but he does a beautiful job of, of kind of like what you're doing. He unfolds the, the hockey player on such a level that by the end of it, I'm like, wow, I said, I didn't realize that this quiet kind of violent guy had all these levels to him. And that's kind of what I'm getting with her is there's all these different things going on with her that I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she went through that. Oh, wow. That's what that means and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I, one of the things I love about comics is the sense that we get to you have an unlimited budget when it comes to storytelling and stuff like that. It's, it's all in your imagination and, uh, and your skill on being able to put it on the paper. Right. But I think that, you know, this book is really – like I said, I, I, I'm fascinated by the characters, but I, I'm still, after three issues, going, what is happening here? <laughs> you know, you like, like I said, I usually be in the sci-fi guy. I can figure these things out. But I am literally going at the end of the third book, uh, now what? <laughs> and, you know, that's an, I'm not used to that. I'm used to, by, by the end of, like, the third out of four books, I'm going, okay, now we're going to this, we're going to well, that. Let's go well, right, that. yeah. And it's kind of like, um, I think I think, like, doing i think doing either one of those well is a challenge right so like i appreciate it that you i i really appreciate what you're saying about my book and i and it makes me happy because that was definitely my intent but that also there's something to be said for like giving people exactly what they expect in a way that feels like fresh and good you know so like writing a predictable quote-unquote story and have it be like satisfying um is also like a big challenge too, for what it's worth. You know, I know that that's maybe a little bit of a corny distinction to make, but, um, but yeah, man, I'm i I'm really excited for you to read the last one, man. I, I, oh, I can't you got to reach out and let me know. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll probably write a review is what I'll do. Oh, I'll, I would appreciate I'll that. that. I'll do that. Now I always have to throw this in because I, I, I used to be a huge fan of Star Trek deep space nine. The reason I was was because we used to have a saying amongst me and my friends who love the show. They didn't give us what we wanted. They gave us what we needed. Sure. And that was a great story going on. And I get that from your book. That's the same sense I'm getting from your book is that I, I you know, like I said, I, 
some people want to be able to see the end coming and they feel very smart when they can figure out it. I don't want to do that. I want you to fool me. I want you to, 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 to you know, <laughs> make it so that I'm sitting there going like, I have no idea what's coming because uh, too many times in my life I have been, you know, when you get to the end of a story, I say this all the time on this podcast, but it's so true. But when Marvel does a, a, a miniseries, it starts out with great fanfare and great mm-hmm. expectation. And we get to the end of the miniseries and I'm going, oh, yeah, that's the end. You know, that, and, yeah, I mean, I think that like it's I, th- I feel bad for the people who have to write the stories for I have to be careful to say saying this on a podcast and like publicly, but like. In oh, a yeah. way, like when you're writing it, when you're writing like X-Men, um, you know, it's gotta be like really, it's really frustrating because you can't actually like end stories, mm-hmm. you know, you have to put the character back where he was at the start. So somebody else can do. Right. Something. Right. Everything turns into like an endless cycle through like Joseph Campbell, like stuff, you know? And, um, and, and for me, like, I, like I said earlier in this, in our conversation, like I, the first thing I thought of the first, like the, the kind of inciting spark, the lightning bolt moment for me, for, for Canopus was the ending. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then like, and then it was a matter of like finding a conceit, finding like however, like, how do I say this? like finding a way to make it so that like the beginning was compelling enough to drive towards this ending that is like, is like, like hopefully going to like blow your mind. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's how mysteries are written, aren't they? You start off with your ending and then you work back right? and you come up with the, the things that are going to lead you to that ending. And the, the good writers, and I think you're, you're, you've done a great job with this book is the good writers plant them there. And we don't necessarily know what is going to be the revealing part or the, the building block towards the conclusion. We right. just have to, we have to go along and take the ride. And that's with your book. I, I literally don't know how you're going to end this book, which I, I keep saying, but it's so true. And it's so it's such an, an unusual thing for me that I really enjoy it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm glad that I, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. So it's coming out. Uh, let's see. As you said, towards the end of July, we'll get to see the the, the final issue. Is there plans to collect it into a trade? Uh, yeah. Um, it's I I've been in ta- I've been talking to those dudes um, about that, and I don't know when the I don't know when the release is planned. I I personally want to like make sure that we give ourselves enough time to promote the trade like as its own thing. Um, so, um, I would, you know, I, hopefully there's, hopefully we have a timeline that, that will allow for like proper, proper promotion for like the proper avenues for trade paperback. I, I'm not really, we haven't really talked about timeline stuff yet, but I, but I know that it's in, I know that like, at least when we, when we started it, it was, it was in the plans. And I think that the book has been, successful enough to oh good well you know now i gotta ask and of course you can answer this you don't have to necessarily give away anything but is there more storytelling in this universe you'd like to do oh no this is the end of the story yeah the end of the story it's not and i don't i'm not uh the kind of 
I don't have the kind of brain that thinks in terms of um, extended universe kind of stuff. I think more in terms of like, like theme and like big beginning, middle end kind of stuff. Um, do you know how, ha- how happy that makes me? <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I used to have a roommate that was, his name was Scott. So he was always interested in Scott Summers. So I was buying X-Men. I got back into buying X-Men for a while. Yeah. And I finally got to the place where I said to him, look, are you reading this book anymore? He says, no. I said, okay, I'm going to stop. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot, after a year of this, take any more of this. Because it, it just keeps rehashing and recycling and something from 20 years ago, some plot point that I don't know about that happened 20 years ago now is going to be important. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't think I can do that. So for me to read, I, I wrote an article on this too. I, I, I read a column uh, on major spoilers about the industry. And one of the things I, I wrote about was I called it the end because no, but nothing ends. I mean, you know, it, it's all going on. I mean, Batman has to go back to where he was as much as I love Batman. Yeah. He goes back to, he, he has to bend up where he was like we said, so that somebody else can pick it up and do something with it. Right, right. But, but you know, I, I love a story that actually ends. I mean, I just, wow, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that now. That's going to be great. I mean, I, I, you know how, how what a rare treat that is if you read comics. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I do. I do under, I do know. And I think that like we all grew up reading comics and especially people like, especially people like my age, and and maybe older where like i grew up in the 1980s and 1990s and everything was extended universe like everything has to tie into everything and there was no endings that like i think a lot of people a lot of comics people just think that way their brain thinks like oh in all the in that way and um and maybe it's maybe it's just because i'm not like I just haven't really, I don't think that way <laughs> for what it's worth. I think, I, I'm thinking more like small scale than that. So if, if I, if Marvel was to ever hit me up to write a story, it would probably be one of those like stories about like, like Wolverine going shopping for like eggs <laughs> and like, okay. and like beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> that could be fun though. That could be a good story. I totally agree. No, um, I, 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 you know, Marvel ought to uh, pay attention because, you know, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I can't look at the X-Men. I, I, gosh, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed know, the, the Hickman, uh, yeah. house of X and powers of 10 books. I thought those were amazing. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, but I, but I, but I'm not going to lie. The X-Men books since then, uh, I, I haven't piled up and I have, I've read like two of them and I'm in, you know how once those piles get to be like 10 deep, it's really hard to get to the bottom and read through it. Or maybe it's hard. I I have a stack of books that I'm I'm intending to read. It's as tall as I am now. And I don't know how many I'm going to get to, but. Well, (sighs) you know what? Like that's books that you, you should always have more books in your to read pile than you'll have time to ever. Um, You read. I think that that's just like how depressing would it be if you were, if your pile went down to nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of which, have you got other things coming that we should be aware of? Oh yeah, definitely. I've got another book coming out in September. Well, the one I told you about that is a, a hell a de- detective Heller. That's a one that's coming. That one is coming out on Source Point in um, 
it's going to be solicited in August, actually. It doesn't come out in August. I think it's in the previews in August. But I have another book that's been announced that's a huge, uh, like, oh, this book has turned out so good, man. This book is, um, it's called Chasing the Bird, Charlie Parker in California. And it's a book about the jazz saxophonist Charlie Parker. Mm. Um, the time he spent in California in like the late forties and early fifties. And, um, and I was contacted, it's, it's being published by Z2 who are the same people who did instrumental and they contacted me last August. And Josh was like, sent this very cryptic email that was like, um, are you available in 2020? I have a dream project for you. I was like, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, thankfully I was available immediately basically because i had just finished canopus like we like a week earlier and um and it was the charlie parker estate one had they had like we're gonna put out a graphic novel to celebrate charlie parker's 100th birthday oh and um which is in august of this year and um and they wanted the book to be focused on Charlie's time in California in Hollywood. And, um, and I put together a pitch for it and I got the gig and, uh, and then I just like went into like full overdrive, like, cause the turnaround of it, the, the, the deadline of it was really fast. I did the math and I had to do like X pages a week for like this many weeks, like 50 weeks or something like that. It was like, or it was like 40 weeks of like, I can't like four pages a week or something like that. That doesn't add up to the right amount. I don't think, but yeah, anyway, like, um, and I, so I started working in October on it, writing it and drawing it and 144 page book. I wrote and drew it by mid March from October. And I just kind of like, I, I look back on it and I have no idea how I actually, did it because I read like five Charlie Parker biographies in that time and like did tons of research and listened and listened to every interview I could find and, and read all the other interviews that I could find with him and other people. And man, this book, like this book turned out so cool. Um, it's basically like the, um, it's, it's told from the point of view of, well, it's told in a, as a series of vignettes, right? And each vignette is narrated by a, a person whose life intersected with Charlie Parker's life during that time. Hmm. So like the first chapter is narrated by Dizzy Gillespie, who's the trumpet player who was like Charlie Parker's kind of like right-hand man, like partner in innovation, musical innovation during that time. And they went to California for a three-month gig and Charlie Parker ended up selling his plane ticket and staying for like two years and he sold his plane ticket for like drug money basically. And, uh, his, so his, I don't know if you know much about his story, mm-hmm. but it's really, it's a, he died at like, he died very young. He was a real troubled guy, but also like a complete genius and in, in several like ways in a real innovative figure in, in American music. Um, and so, uh, each chapter is narrated by a different person. And what I did is um, I changed the visual storytelling, like the visual style and the storytelling style to match the point of view 
to reflect the point of view of the person narrating the story. Hmm. So like the chapter narrated by Dizzy Gillespie is like this really dynamic style. Um, cause he was this extremely dynamic person. And, uh, it's like a lot of big, like, gr- like very designy pages with like big shapes of like, you know, like big shapes on it. Kind of like almost like my version of like mid-century modern kind of idea where like there's these big abstract shapes of like big inky shapes and stuff like that. The next chapter is narrated by this like European bohemian artist. And in that chapter, I tried my best to like give it this kind of like quasi Mobius, like European flair um, to kind of match that, that like perspective that like, um, and man, I got to tell you, man, this book, I can't wait to start sharing it with people. It's kind of like the, the, it's, um, like, it's a bit of a, it's a little bit bigger of like, a how do I put it? There's more like fanfare around this than anything else I've done due to kind of like the fact that like Charlie Parker is this total like legend. Um, and, um, and so I just can't wait for people to read it. I think they, they, the estate was like great. They like help. They like encouraged me to take risks with this book. Um, and I think it, I'm really excited about how it turned out. Uh, what's it called again? It's called Chasen the bird. Okay. Okay. So we want to keep track of that. Now, of course that leads to a good question. How do we keep up with your stuff? Are, are you on like social media? I know we mentioned you got Dave Chisholm yeah. Uh, what, what's a good way to keep up with you, like as far as social media goes? Um, the best way is probably Twitter, uh, and it's um, my handle is just my last name then my first name, so Chisholm Dave. Um, and then uh, I also post on Instagram, and that's the Dave Chisholm, like T H E, and then my name. And then uh, you know, I I have like a Facebook artist page that I I'm planning on like using it more than I do. I just really kind of despise Facebook. Oh, <laughs> um, and I, so probably like Twitter is the best way to, to be in touch with me. I, I also don't, I, I, like I said early in our conversation, I got to update my website. It's well past due. Well, it's good. Your stuff is great stuff. I got to get, I'm going to be after, let's go to Utah. I got to, now I got to, and I have this new one too. I gotta. I'm gonna have to keep track of these things and, and make sure I get them because uh, it really sounds like great stuff. I mean, based on this book, I've got to know. You know I've got to read these other things because it's going to be something that's going to be a nice change of pace for me. Something that's going to be uh, variety, and I'm a. That's one of my favorite words is variety. I like to read different kinds of stories. Oh so yeah, I'm really gonna love it. So cool, man. Why? Well, what? Well, look, man. I. I really can't wait for you to read the rest of the last chapter of Canopus. And I think that this, this Charlie Parker book, I think people are going to be like, really, I think it's going to like, cause you, you hear like, I, I don't know for me, like when I think of like nonfiction comic books, like not to judge anybody, cause there are always excellent standouts that exist, but I feel like there are also a lot of like examples that are pretty dry and like documentary style and a little bit kind of like boring. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so like from the get go, the estate was like, we don't want it to be documentary. We don't want it to be boring. And this book, and I, I think, pe- I think it's not going to be what people expect it to be. That's, mm-hmm. let's just put it that way. I think it's going to be really surprising. And Wayne, I'm actually sending you a link to get, let's go to Utah right now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so I just, I just sent it to you. Oh, great. Well, I sure appreciate that. I can't wait to read that. I'm going to have to get down and get to read that. Um, so uh, it, 
I mean, I really love your book, and I can't wait to to read that one. That fourth issue comes out, I'll send you a message and tell you what I think of it. Heck but yeah. I definitely want to write a, a a review of it too because I think cool, that's going to be something. Cool man. So it's great stuff. I, I, I wish you much success to keep going with this wonderful stuff. You know, do the stuff that you want to do and, and tell the stories you want to tell. Cause I think your writing reflects when you're excited about it. And I think it's just, uh, can't well, thanks. Wait to see that you know, you know, man, you know what, man, I, I'm, I'm a really lucky guy. I, I'm ex- an exceedingly lucky person because I've somehow crafted accidentally this life where, um, I'm not like, I have enough weird little vocations that I do that I, I can be kind of choosy with, with all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a lucky guy. I, so you say like, do what you write the stories that you want to do, man. That's exactly mm-hmm. my plan. So oh, good. Well, congratulations. I think not, not everybody can make that happen as successfully as you are, but I think it's going to be great. I, 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 gosh, I can't wait to read these other things. I'm gonna, I don't know if I'll get to bed anytime early because I'm going to have to sit and read this book. <laughs> That's good. You have to read that because I'm just dying to see the kind of wonderful stuff you're going to do. Oh, well, that one, that one is a – let me know what you think of that one too, man. Okay. I will definitely do that. And, you know, Dave, I'll say keep it up. You know, I, I can't wait. You got wonderful stuff coming, and uh, a lot of us are going to be uh, waiting for everything that you do because I think it's it's really going to be creative and something great for us to to follow and enjoy. So, uh, right, right can't wait. Right on, Wayne. Well, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for the conversation. I I've really enjoyed it. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another great interview. But until then, keep reading your comics. End results aside, we are not happy. You hacked Justice League systems, disobeyed direct orders, and endangered lives. You will not be doing this again. I am sorry, but we will.